Welcome to Tribe Talk, presented by Progressive, making it easy to bundle home and car insurance. Brought to you by Subway, where winners eat. Welcome to Tribe Talk. This is Jim Rosenhouse as we join you from Comerica Park in Detroit where the Indians are playing the Tigers this weekend. It's gone well so far. They've taken two of the first three in the series with the finale coming up on Sunday. This part of a lengthy road trip, three cities, nine games over ten days. After Detroit, they head to Minnesota for three. And then next weekend, they'll be in Philadelphia for interleague play against the Phillies. Coming up on this week's show, we will take a look back at the week gone by, visit with Francisco Lindor and Marlon Bird, and also get the weekly minor league system update with our farm report from Tribe Director of Player Development, Carter Hawkins. So a lot to get to on this week's show. Hope you can stay with us as we get rolling with Tribe Talk on the Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Comerica Park in Detroit where the Indians and the Tigers are meeting for the first time this season. Three-game weekend series. Been a good week for the Indians. Uh, They battled and actually at home struggled against the Seattle Mariners. Tuesday, though, they they did manage a win in the opener of that series, a 3-2 victory over Seattle. They grabbed the lead early in that first ball game against the Mariners. Third inning thanks to an RBI base hit from Mike Napoli. Miley's next offering, a swing and a long drive to center. This may burn Martin. It will. It's over his head. It'll roll to the wall. Lindor in to score and into second with a double is Napoli. Well, Seattle keeps playing shallow in the outfield, and they've had two outfielders burned with two outs in this inning. Back-to-back doubles by Lindor and Napoli. And now the Indians have a one nothing lead on Napoli's fourth double of the season, giving him seven RBIs. And on the mound in that game was Carlos Carrasco, who got off to a good start and continued to battle. Runners have first and third, two down in the Seattle third. We are scoreless, the 0-2 pitch. A swing and a miss went off speed again. Ball was... In the dirt, Gomes digs it out, lobs to first, and he completes another strikeout of Cruz. The only two strikeouts Carrasco has in the game, and he got him with a nasty curveball. Meanwhile, the Indians were scratching for runs, and they got them in the fourth in unlikely fashion. Now the 3-2. Down low, ball four. That'll force in a run as Bird comes down the line from third, and the Tribe takes a 2-0 lead. Miley stretches the 3-1 pitch. Way upstairs, ball four. He's walked in another. Second time this inning. The Indians have drawn a bases-loaded walk. And with Uribe crossing the plate, the Tribe now leads it 3-0. 
Those three runs would hold up thanks to the good pitching of Carrasco and also some outstanding defensive play by, well, the usual shortstop Francisco Lindor. Swung on, ground ball deep in the hole, it's short. Grabbed by Lindor, spins, throws, and he got him at first base. A close play, but Lindor got it done. He was shading Aoki toward the bag at second, so he had to range over back toward shortstop, made a backhand pickup, threw off his back foot, but it was right on the money to Napoli, who stretched well, and that was enough to retire Aoki. And at the end of the game, it was Cody Allen putting the finishing touches on things. Nothing into the count on Franklin Gutierrez. Cody Allen, he's got the sign from Jan Gomes. Here it comes. Curveball swung on and missed. Ball game. And the Indians are a winner tonight, 3-2 to two over the Seattle Mariners as they win game one in this three-game series. Rest of the series didn't go as well for the Indians. Seattle with a 2-1 to one victory on Wednesday night. And then Thursday afternoon, a real heart stopper. The Indians battling back from a five-run deficit, tied it on a two-run pinch hit home run from Mike Napoli, but then would lose it when Robinson Cano hit a three-run home run in the 10th inning to snap the 7-7 tie and give Seattle a 10-7 win. So that closed out the homestand, and it was on to Detroit to face the Tigers for the first time this season. And Friday night, great pitching again from Josh Tomlin and an unlikely offensive source leading off the ball game for the Indians got it started. Now the windup by the veteran right-hander and the payoff pitch to Santana. Swung on, hit a ton, deep right field. It is out of here. How about that? Carlos Santana, a leadoff hitter in the major leagues for the first time, and on a 3-2 pitch, Hammered a mid-90s fastball into the lower deck and right. And the Indians have a one nothing lead. And Santana has his third home run of the campaign. That's right. Carlos Santana in the leadoff spot for the first time in his career. And it couldn't have gone better for him. As leading off the ball came, he hits a home run to give the Indians the early lead. And Tomlin would make it hold up for quite some time. Tomlin the wind and the 0-1. Swung on, hit in the air, right field, near the line. Chisinau coming hard, foul ground, on the run. Makes the catch near the stands in foul territory down the right field line. Nice play. Lonnie Chisinau. And Tomlin, his pitch economy is tremendous. He made 10 pitches in the fourth inning. He made nine pitches in the fifth inning. He's made three pitches here in the sixth. The Tigers did tie it, and the game was still tied in the seventh. That's when Marlon Byrd would go deep. Marlon Byrd has grounded out and walked. He's hitting sixth tonight, Verlander's pitch, and it's hit high in the air to deep right field. Martinez back on the track at the wall, looking up, and it is gone. Marlon Byrd quickly breaks the tie. An opposite field home run to right, his second as an Indian. And the Tigers, just like that, are trailing again. And Tomlin and the Indians' bullpen would make things hold up, including Brian Shaw in the eighth inning. Justin Upton has been a three-time All-Star. He's hit 
as many as 31 home runs in a season. The pitch to him. A swing and a miss. Got him with a slider. Shaw strikes out Upton, gets a pair in the inning. What a job by Brian Shaw. And the Indians and Tigers go to the ninth. Cleveland up 2-1. to one. And then after a, a tough ending to the game the previous day for closer Cody Allen, he would bounce back and throw extremely well in the ninth. Martinez sends a fly ball fairly deep right, but there's Chisinau to make the catch. Ball game! Cody Allen has come right back and nailed down his fifth save after yesterday's defeat. And the Indians start this nine-game road trip with an impressive 2-1 to win over the Detroit Tigers. Then it was on to Saturday where the Indians unleashed the fury against the Tigers. A rarity so far this season, a blowout win, and they got it started early. First inning, Jan Gomes would come up with a key base hit. Gomes awaiting the 1-2 pitch. Here it comes. Swung on, a little flare. Coming hard in center as goes. It drops for a base hit. And coming home to scores, Kipnis, Lindor scampers to third. And a bloop single to center by Jan Gomes has put the tribe on top one to nothing. So too would Jose Ramirez. The next offering. Swung on chopper back up the middle. Bounces into center field. Base hit. That'll score Lindor. Hustling to third is Gomes. And Jose Ramirez bangs a two-out single back up the middle. And the Indians have back-to-back two-out RBI hits. And the Tribe has a 2-0 lead here in inning number one. Still leading 3-0. This time in the third inning, it was Gomes who would strike again. The pitch swung on, hit high, hit deep to left. It's going. It is gone. Into the Indians' bullpen. A three-run home run to left center for Jan Gomes. And the Indians have a 6-0 lead. And Rajay Davis would keep it going in the third. Now he's ready. Here it comes. And a swing and a line drive base hit to right center. Davis knocks in Lonnie Chisinau. 7-0 Indians. Rajay Davis with a seventh RBI. And already Brad Osmus is waving to the bullpen. Carlos Santana stayed red hot when he came to the plate also in that big third inning. The pitch. A swing and a smash by the diving third baseman Castellanos. Down the left field line. Kicks off the side wall. In to score is Naquin. In to second with a stand-up double is Santana. 8-0 Indians. Carlos Santana. Drives in his 10th run. And the Indians this inning have a homer, a triple, two doubles, three singles. And Santana's a leadoff hitter, has four hits in the series. Then later on in the ball game, Gomes would strike again. The 1-1. Swing and a liner to left. This is down the line. It's a fair ball. It gets down and rolls into the corner. Napoli may try to score. He will. On his way home is Napoli. Into second with a double is Gomes. And Jan Gomes has his fifth RBI. That equals a career best for Jan Gomes. And now he needs a triple to hit for the cycle. Rajay Davis would get in the act in the seventh as well. Now the 1-2 pitch to Rajay Davis. 
Swing and a liner over the head of Robine at short into left center an RBI single. Davis is trying for two. The throw, the slide, head first double for Rajay Davis. A hustle double to left center. And he drives home Jan Gomes. And the Indians now lead it 10 to 1. And what would a tribe game be without another great play by Francisco Lindor? The pitch to him. And he bangs one on one hop. Knocks Lindor to the seat of his pants at short. Gets up and throws him out. Another great play by Lindor. A scolding one hopper to short. It knocked Lindor backwards to the seat of his pants in shallow left. And he got up and threw out Cabrera. And he's almost wetting himself. He's laughing so hard. (laughs) And while all this was going on, Corey Kluber was vintage Kluber. If you take it back to 2014, the Cy Young award-winning season for the Indians right-hander, he had it all rolling against the Tigers on Saturday. Now the one-two pitch. A swing and a miss. He gets J.D. Martinez. Ten strikeouts for Corey Kluber. Seven in the books. Cleveland 10, Detroit 1. And after the game, he stopped by to talk about it. Congratulations, Corey. And how much easier was it to go out there with a 3 nothing lead? <laughs> yeah, it was a nice start to get off to. I mean, 3 in the first, and they didn't stop. They poured it on and, you know, kept scoring the whole game. And, Corey, you, you had a great spring. And, and when you came into the season, did you feel that your pitches were as sharp the, the first couple of starts? Because it, it certainly looked like they were today. Um, maybe not quite as much. I mean, maybe I was, you know, doing a few things mechanically, that, but we got it straightened out hopefully, and like you said, uh, today went a little better. You can hear the high fives in the background because Corey's in the clubhouse. How about what this club has done? Yeah, you're, you're not 15-0, and 0, but this club is 8-7 and 7 with what you've gone through weather-wise and without a Michael Brandley. This club has is, is more than held its own here in April. Yeah, I mean, I think we're doing a good job right now of, you know, taking it day by day, not really trying to make up for, you know, a bad series in one day kind of thing. But, you know, just just focusing on each day, and I think that that's, that's paying dividends right now. And, Corey, you get it done today against a, a Tigers club that can be a handful for every, anybody. And, and what was the key for you today to, to really keep them in check? Um, my location was probably just a little bit better, you know, working down just a, just a tick more. Um, like I said, nothing major, but, you know, those, those little adjustments uh, – you know, it's, that could be the difference between a ball at the end of the bat or a ball finds a barrel. Well, great job today, Corey. We appreciate you joining us. And, uh, boy, nice way to start this road trip, huh? Yeah, let's keep it going. All right, Corey, thank you much. You got it. Thank you. So the Indians 10-1 to winners on Saturday, and they head into play on Sunday, one game over the 500 mark. That's your look back at the week in review for the Indians. Stay with us when we come back. We'll hear from Francisco Lindor and also Marlon Bird. That's all coming up as we continue with Tribe Talk on the Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Comerica Park in Detroit where the Indians were winners on Saturday afternoon, 10-1 to over the Tigers. They've won two straight here in Detroit heading into the series finale on Sunday. Earlier this week, we had a chance to visit with Indian shortstop Francisco Lindor. Talk to him about that that first full season in the major leagues and how it's been going, some of the adjustments that he's made, and so far so good as he continues to play outstanding baseball in the middle of the diamond for the Indians. 
The only difference is how cold it was over the day. <laughs> that was the only difference. Everything else is kind of like the same, you know. And you look at that, it might be chilly out there tonight, and obviously you're not used to that from, from where you've come from, but how do you deal with uh, less than ideal baseball conditions? A couple of layers, a couple of layers of clothes, and uh, put a little um, cream on, and after that I should be good to go. And when you look at your game, uh, in terms of how it's progressing, what are you most pleased with here early in the season? Um, the adjustments, you know, um, getting, um, dealing with um, adversity. You know, the weather is different every day, pretty much out here. Um, for the first six games, it was like that. In Tampa, it was completely different. Then we come back here, a little different, um, as well as the pitching. You know, they. Um, I think it's been kind of like the same as last year. I think everything is just a matter of continuing to make the adjustments, saying in the hour, and uh, go out there and give my best. You mentioned adjustments, and are you noticing specific things that, that pitchers are doing against you, maybe based on some of the things that you were able to do last year? No, no, I think they they pitching me, um, they're throwing off feeds, they're throwing fastballs, you know, they, they're mixing it up, you know, but uh, it helps that I got a guy like Napoli behind me that they don't want to walk me because they, they're going to have to pitch to him, which is, is very good. So, and when Michael Bradley comes, they'll be hitting in front of him, so... I think it'll be kind of like the same as last year. I uh, I don't I don't see any, any, a lot of difference. I think it, it's just a matter of if I make the adjustments and I compete and I give him my best day and day out. He um he it should be it should be a fun year. Francisco Lindor joining us, Tribe shortstop. And when you look at at where you fit on the team, it seemed like you were very comfortable quickly a year ago. Different though, even now having gone through a full spring training and and being a part of this team from the beginning. Um, no, there's no difference. Um, the, the, after I got used to the guys, after I talked to them a lot, and we built that chemistry, I think it's, it was everything the same since middle of July till till now. I think everything's the same. We got different um, new faces in the team, which they're great. They're awesome, and uh, I'm happy that they're here, and I'm happy the way things are going so far. And you mentioned that. Uh, obviously, tough to tell 10 games in. Uh, trends and things like that but but some positive signs that you're seeing even though it is very very early on how positive everybody's saying we're staying positive and, and the guys are working hard they're working hard it's not it, when we lose it's not because we we weren't working hard i think it's everybody's working as hard as they can and i think that's always a positive because guys at the end of the season um the hardest workers are usually the ones that come on top all right frankie thanks so much for the time thank you that's Tribe shortstop Francisco Lindor, who's becoming a human highlight reel with great defensive plays seemingly game after game. Well, the Indians got a big boost from Marlon Byrd on Friday night. His solo home run late in the game at Detroit proved to be the game winner. Prior to that, he had come up with some key base hits, and we had a chance to visit with Marlon Byrd and, and talk to him about the game and whether it surprises him at this stage in his career. Remember, Bird did not sign with the Indians until midway through spring training, despite the fact that the last three seasons, Marlon Bird has hit more than 20 home runs and driven in more than 70 runs. But he's thankful for the opportunity with the Indians. And again, nothing in this game really surprises him at this stage in his career. You know, that surprised me as far as signing as late as I did, but you know, I've always believed things happen for a reason. And coming on this team, this young team, very athletic team, with this unbelievable pitching staff, and not just talking about the starting rotation, but the whole, you know, all 12 guys, even the bullpen, 
um, this is a blessing in disguise. So, I mean, I got put in the right spot. Got some guys, you know, coming back with Chisholm Hall and Brantley, you know, and I go back into the platoon role, um, which I, I know I can fit in. I can do my role and, and help this team be that piece of the puzzle to, to get to the playoffs. And when you look at it, it, you put up really solid numbers the last three seasons. And uh, did you think, though, as time went by, that, that maybe that was it and, and you would not be able to find work this season? Definitely. You know, I start talking to guys that I played with that are retired. And, you know, I, you start asking them, I say, why Why'd you shut it down? And they say, hey, when you have 30 teams and not one team offers you a contract, there's nothing you can do but move on. So it got to that point where I didn't have any offers. So I had to start thinking about the future and what else I was going to do. So, But thank goodness uh, the Tribe called coming uh, mid-March. Now, with that said, it, you've hit the ground running, so to speak, and, and really came in and performed well in the spring and, and have done so early in the season. What was the biggest key? What allowed you to, to have success early and, and be able to play your game right away? Watching changing speeds in the off season. A lot of guys in offseason hit off the tee, do flips, you know, might face live DP. I went to uh, kind of my routine that I do during the season. If you know, you know, all the hitting coaches that know me, I like well, hitting off the slider machine, you know, before games. Um, you know, something going wrong, I don't do flips. I go right into more speed to try to kind of fix my swing, let it fix itself. So, you know, facing 70, 80 mile per hour sliders in the off season kind of gets you ready for that speed. You know, not 95, but it gets you ready for harder speeds than going from live VP at 50 miles per hour, jumping, you know, you know, 100%. Marlon Bird joining us, Indians outfielder, and uh, another nice catch last night in, in left field. And when you look at outfield play, is that sometimes harder than the hitting part of it to, to get yourself ready to go for a season? That was a combination of things. You know, the hitting part, the mechanics is always tough. As I've gotten older, mechanics haven't gotten easier, but they're more solid. Um, outfield play, you really need to see balls off the bat. You need to see different types of spin. And now I'm going from left to right, back and forth. It's, uh, it's a different beast. But, again, it's being prepared and understanding the games. You know, with 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 Millsy and how he positions the outfielder, kind of helps me because I'm in the right position. Like yesterday uh, with Ionetta going in that gap, I was already over a little bit. So um, being in the right spots and making right jumps is, is key for me. And there was a point in time you could have played for Tito earlier, and he was saying he thought he'd manage you someday, but never got the chance in Philly. Is that just uh, funny how baseball works sometimes? Right, I just missed him. I guess it's my fault. I couldn't get to the big leagues early enough for him. But yeah. I, you know, I got drafted by the Phillies in 99. He was the manager for the next two years. Um, didn't get a chance to play for him, so, you know, but better late than never. All right, Marlon, thanks so much for the time. Appreciate it. All right, thank you. That's Marlon Bird, Indians outfielder, the veteran outfielder who has been a real nice contributor to the Indians in an area where they've needed a boost to start the season. Stay with us. When we come back, it's the weekly farm report. That's coming your way shortly as we continue with Tribe Talk on the Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Comerica Park in Detroit where the Indians and Tigers are meeting in a weekend series. Tribe trying to make it a sweep on Sunday afternoon as they have taken the first two games of this series and head into play on Sunday over the 500 mark here in the waning stages of April. Well, the Indians seeing some good things happening in their farm system, and we always like to check in with Carter Hawkins, the Indians' director of player development for the weekly Farm Report. This week we focus on Lake County, the Indians' single-A ball club in the Midwest League, and that means, very similar to the Tribe, bad weather in April usually. And it's been no different, but the uh, Lake County captain's playing some good baseball early. Some of the uh, young prospects, some of them in their first full season 
minor league season. And uh, Carter's been very impressed with how they've handled some rough weather early on and still played winning baseball. You know, I mentioned there's a couple nights when the major league team was, you know, warm in the clubhouse, not playing, and our, our captains were out there, the 18-, 19-year-old kids from Latin America and from you know, south of the Mason-Dixon line all out there in 40-degree weather and, and, and playing well and, and winning some ball games and then getting some good work in. So it's been encouraging. they got a really scrappy bunch of guys that, that really have come together as a team early on in the season and a lot of good results so far. Now, a lot of times when we talk about AAA Columbus and even to some extent AA Akron, we're talking about players who could help at the big league level soon. Not the case at Lake County. They're, they're a long way off. But some I know some interesting uh, pitchers and players alike. And let's start with Sam Hentges on the mound, just 19 years old. And uh, what do you like about him so far? So Sam might be one of the only players on that team that's used to some of this cold. He's, he's from up north in Minnesota, but a young left-hander, 19 years old, pitching the Midwest, Midwest League, um, six foot six left-hander, maybe six foot seven. Definitely the tallest guy in the organization. Had a strong year last year in Arizona, just pitching in our Arizona Summer League, and really had a great off-season. Led that into a solid spring training. His velocity is up. His breaking ball is better. His command is improved, and, and really feel like. So he's one of those pitchers that, uh, you know, if he continues on this pace, could be an impact guy for us down the road. And I know another pitcher you've been impressed with so far is Tommy Pannone, a little bit older, but uh, off to a nice start too. Yeah, a little bit older, but but 22 years old. You know, so three years older than Sam, but but still certainly uh, very young in his career. But uh, was at Lake County last year, had a solid season, brought him back just to, you know, refine a little bit of his command and, and learn how to throw with intent a little bit better and. Um, his first few outings have been outstanding. I think he has a you know a .75 ERA through his three wins, and I'm um, just really excited about the progress that he's made. And he's really stabilized that that rotation, and, and definitely a guy that you know will be in line for a promotion here if he can continue on his pace as well. Now, I know on occasion you'll make some changes in terms of role, and Kieran Lovegrove is a name that we heard about draft wise a couple of years back, a, a high round draft pick. And uh, you've changed his role a little bit at Lake County this year. And explain what's going on with him. Yeah, so Lovey was a starting pitcher for us. Uh, you know, he was drafted in 2012 and has continued um, to progress over the years. Had a couple injury issues with his hips. Um, had surgeries basically on both of his legs in separate seasons. Um, that put him behind the eight ball a little bit, but moved him into uh, this relief role this year, and he's really thrived. You know, Steve McCaddy, our pitching coach there, who – he was a major league pitching coach. He was with the Nationals last year. He's just really fallen in love with him and, and the stuff that he's been able to show in the seventh and eighth and, and at times ninth inning as well, throwing 97, 98 miles per hour while throwing a good slider and throwing the ball over the plate most importantly. And, you know, if you can do that, you can do that consistently with that type of stuff. That's the type of guy that moves pretty quickly. And, you know, a long way to go for Kieran, and this is really the, the first sustained success that he's shown, but his ability to sustain that throughout this entire year will really dictate you know, his progress going forward. And is he a real good example of why, especially with a high school drafted kid, that patience may be the, the biggest key word early on in their pro careers? Absolutely. I mean, there's just so many things going on in, in these young players' lives, you know, just from a, a standpoint of their changing their lifestyle, they're away from home for the first time, um, you know, injuries, family issues, all of these different things that, that come into play that don't show up in a box score. So, you know, it's really about us and the player, most importantly, staying true to the process, staying true to the plan. And if you do that, you know, more often than not, you're going to progress, you're going to get better, and opportunities are going to create themselves. Carter Hawkins joining us, Indians Director of Player Development, and we'll close 
with our look at Lake County this week in the single-A Midwest League with a look at their coaching staff. You referenced Steve McCaddy as their pitching coach a little bit earlier, and uh, here's a guy, great major league career as a, as a pitcher and then uh, a longtime pitching coach in the major leagues. You have a chance to, to acquire a coach like that and, and have him work with young players unexpected and 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 if so how pleasant has that been to have him in that spot yeah it's been really really pleasant to have him Rosie I mean it's uh one of those phone calls you get where you know hey Steve McCaddy's interested in a job with you guys and you say well you know we don't have anything in AAA right now so you know is there an opportunity that, that maybe we can find a fit for him and talking to him he just really wanted to impact young players he for lack of a better word, been there, done that, you know, at the major league level. And not to say that he doesn't want to get back to the major league level, but felt like the opportunity to impact some of these, you know, 19-year-old left-handed six foot seven pitchers and, and really show them the ropes and help to build that foundation, that really excited him. And it was something that, you know, we could offer him and, and felt like he fit really well into our culture and the things that we're working towards. So you know, we we're ecstatic to get him on board. Um, Tony Mancellino, our manager, a really young manager, to have a guy like Steve McCaddy, who has been around for so long, to be there with him has really been helpful. Um, and I think that Manso has helped Steve, you know, kind of look at things a little bit differently from a different perspective, and that's definitely helped us grow too. Kevin Howard, our hitting coach there, just in his second year, um, was a young infielder uh, in many different systems over the course of his career, played his college baseball at University of Miami. Um, him being around a guy like Steve McCaddy has been really helpful, but he also has some great ideas and has been, you know, just as the early results have shown, has been really successful with our hitters. And then Junior Patances is our fourth coach there, um, which has been great to have that Latin American presence. Junior has a ton of knowledge, a ton of experiences in the game. Certainly helps out our other three coaches just in relating to, you know, those players that don't necessarily speak English and understanding, um, you know, where those guys are coming from at this point in their career. So, the four of those guys have really meshed really well. It's a testament to, to Tony Mancellino in his first season as a manager, being able to lead a group like that um, and then being able to transfer that leadership and that excitement and that you know, team atmosphere to the team in Lake County and have them win as many baseball games as they have early on. Um, it's really cool to see, and, and we're just really excited about watching it play out here. And you mentioned the first year for Tony as, as a manager at any level. Uh, he's been in the organization for a little bit. What stood out to you that said, you know what, he'd be a good manager at, at a certain level in the minor league system? I mean, the, the managerial position, you know, you, you see it at its very highest degree at the major league level, just all the things that are going on day in, day out, from media to having to deal with phone calls from me, from having to deal with phone calls from our coordinators, having to work with coaches, having to work with, uh, you know, players that have issues that might be outside of the the purview of baseball. So, to be able to handle that, you have to have a great process. You have to really have a really level head. You have to be open to listening to feedback. And, and Manso, over the course of his time with us in the organization, he started uh, in Mahoney Valley, worked his way up to Double A as a hitting coach. Just showed a great process. Just showed uh, ability to plan and handle a lot of information. And those types of traits we felt like could translate to a team. Um, and so far, it really has. And it's been really exciting to watch him do that. And. Um, you know, he's, he's another guy that definitely has a bright future within our system. Yeah, some good things happening at Single A Lake County, not that far from Progressive Field here in downtown Cleveland. Carter, thanks so much for, for coming by. Appreciate it. Rosie, always a pleasure. That's Carter Hawkins, the Indians' director of player development. Stay with us. We have our final segment of Tribe Talk coming your way shortly on the Indians' radio network.
Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Comerica Park in Detroit where the Indians are playing the Tigers this weekend. A little bit closer to home, an interesting event will be taking place in late May in conjunction with an Indians homestand. It's called Tribe Hackathon 2016, and the hackathon theme is enhancing the fan experience. Now, if you're like me, you have no idea what a hackathon is. So we have enlisted Andrea Losi from Tech Elevator. She's the marketing and community manager at Tech Elevator. And in conjunction with the Indians and Progressive Insurance, Tech Elevator is putting on this hackathon that will take place the weekend of May 20th and 21st at Progressive Field. And she explains what a hackathon is and how it, in this case, pertains to the tribe. So a hackathon is basically an event where the tech community, the creative community, even design community comes together for either a day or a weekend, and they start to build applications. They start to build projects around a central theme. So our idea with the Tribe Hackathon is to create uh, apps around enhancing the fan experience. So if you've ever been to a baseball game, especially the Tribe Stadium, and you've ordered a hot dog or you've bought a beer or maybe purchased tickets, that is all part of the fan experience. So our theme for this hackathon is inviting people from the community to come together to join us and to really tap into the creative mindset of how can we enhance and improve that experience. So if you have an idea or if you don't, I mean, it's definitely something where you can come out, you can um, you know, work with people you already know, or you can sign up as a single ticket and say, you know, I just want to get involved and we'll help place you on a team. Marketing people. So if you don't have, uh, you know, developer skills and you're not actually a coder, that's cool too. If you want to be part of the weekend, you can sign up as a community ticket and you can be part of the presentations that are happening on the, the very end of the hackathon. So it's really just about bringing the community together um, in a really cool space. It's at the Tribe Stadium. Um, in the Terrace Club. So we're literally looking over the field as we code and as we build technology. Well, it's part of a baseball weekend. And again, this is Tribe Hackathon 2016. Uh, explain the weekend, uh, when it is, and then how people can get involved. Sure. So the weekend is officially May 20th and 21st. So it'll be a Friday through a Saturday of actual you know, hacking at the Terrace Club in Progressive Field. Um, but because we can't sleep over at the ballpark and a lot of hackathons are a weekend event, we wanted to give you enough time to come together with your team, build applications, start the whole process rolling. So prior to the 20th and 21st, we're actually kicking off the whole event on May 6th at Progressive Insurance. And this is our pre-hackathon meetup. So this is where you will meet some of the team members. You will come together, start thinking about your ideas if you don't already have one. And you can actually start um, you know, specking out exactly how you want the process to work. After that event, which we'll have dinner and we'll have, um, you know, some, some breakdown of what's actually happening, all the activities and what's planned. After that, you'll have two weeks in between the kickoff and the actual hackathon weekend. So you can be building during that phase, meeting with your team members, even if you're remote. Um, obviously, you can build technology together during that time. And then when you come on Friday, the 20th, we'll kick off the weekend at Progressive Field. We'll come back Saturday morning, and all day then you will finalize your projects. You will work on presentations that you'll ultimately give to three judges who will be judging based on a couple different criteria points. And you'll present your projects at the very end of the event on that Saturday. And then we'll award the prizes. Um, and then we have an after party across the street. 
So it's, it's going to be a fun activity, fun, you know, filled weekend, and we hope everyone comes out for it. And just for some background, obviously you, you do a lot of these in different areas. Uh, whose idea was it, and, and why baseball? Why did that become something that would be a, a fun thing to do? Well, I think baseball for Cleveland is, you know, one of our favorite pastimes, and it's something that's ingrained in our region. Um, you know, sports is obviously big. Um, and it's not that big in every city. So, you know, when the idea came about, it was really just a conversation that our company, Chuck Elevator, had with the Indians, uh, specifically Neil Weiss, who is the CIO there and really an out-of-the-box out of thinker, where we said, can we do something really cool at the field around technology? How can we start to bring our tech community together and also showcase Cleveland as an upcoming tech city? I mean, we really have a lot of great tech companies in town who are hiring really great qualified programmers and designers in the tech space so we wanted to highlight that and we want it to be you know fun and obviously doing something cool like this at the stadium is always uh you know going to be kind of out of the box and, and something different and how do folks sign up and how much room is left if people do want to sign up and be a part of this so to get more information all of the details faqs and to sign up visit our website it is tribehackathon.com uh, tribehackathon.com. So go straight there and you'll see all of the information. Um, we're not full yet, but tickets are limited. So I would definitely say get your registration in. If you're signing up a team, there's team options. If you're signing up as a single participant and you want to join a team, you can do that. And then if you're a community member, a marketer, uh, someone outside of the programming space or tech space, and you want to come out for that Saturday and watch some of the presentations, there are community tickets available as well. So Get in there quickly, um, and then we'll kick everything off May 6th. That's Andrea Losey from Tech Elevator talking about Tribe Hackathon 2016. And that's going to put a wrap on this week's edition of Tribe Talk. Great to have you with us as we have joined you from Detroit's Comerica Park. Next weekend we'll be in Philadelphia where the Indians are taking on the Phillies in interleague play. Hope you can join us then. Until then. This is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. You've been listening to Tribe Talk, presented by Progressive, making it easy to bundle home and car insurance. Brought to you by Subway, where winners eat.